0: Happy 2nd Anniversary! Behavioral Health Today dropped its first episodes on April 20th, 2020. To celebrate our second year mark, we're releasing 5 shows this week, 1 episode each day. 2 will be brand new shows and 3 will be some of our favorites from the past year. We hope you enjoy them all, both new and old, and we're looking forward to another year of bringing you trending and relevant content in behavioral and mental health. podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Today's topic area is part of our Clinician Series podcast. In our regular podcast, we provide the coverage of a mental health topic of interest and we find ourselves typically focused on the why behind or the why that drives the work being done in a specific area. The Clinician Series, however, is taking the discussion of topic areas a few steps further, specifically talking with experts not just about the why of their area of expertise, but will dive into a more practical, more hands-on, experiential understanding of the what and the how regarding the application of various therapeutic techniques, strategies, and constructs that we'll be presenting. The goal of the Clinician Series is to take our listeners behind the therapy door. To provide a look at and develop an appreciation for what actually occurs in the therapy session including what gets said patients reactions and the dynamic between the therapist patient that can occur during the therapy hour
1: welcome to behavior health today a triad production i'm dr graham taylor as therapists we are our own greatest tool and along with our knowledge of psychology we ourselves are the cornerstone of the healing process for those we treat but how does one become their own greatest tool What personal components go into this cultivation of this therapeutic self? And what does this inner work look like? These questions and professional development are particularly relevant for those of you listening today to the podcast that are early career practitioners, as well as for those of you that are already doing or considering trauma work, cultivating clarity about your why in coming into this field identifying your strengths and doing your own inner work such that you can bring this authenticity, presence and courage to your therapy will allow you to establish a foundation for a very rewarding practice. Our guest today has interviewed over 300 thought leaders in trauma treatment, yoga, addiction and mindfulness, working to answer these very questions. Back with us today is Dr. Guy McPherson. Guy holds his doctorate in clinical psychology and has spent the last several years studying the impact and treatment of trauma and early psychosis. In 2014, Guy founded the Trauma Therapist Project with the goals of raising awareness of trauma and creating an educational and supportive community for new trauma workers. The Trauma Therapist Project has now grown to include the Trauma Therapist Podcast, now being listened to in more than 160 countries around the world and downloaded more than 120,000 times per month as well as the Trauma Therapist 2.0, which is an online membership community specifically dedicated to educating and inspiring trauma workers just starting out on their trauma-informed journey. Guy, welcome back to our show.
2: Graham, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me back. I I don't want to get to the point where I'm wearing out my welcome on your show. Hey,
1: you are never (laughs) wearing out your welcome. There's There's so much to be done and so much to be learned and uh, shared around this topic of self-awareness, trauma work, et cetera. And I'm excited to have one more dimension of it in our time today. You know, Guy, I know that you emphasize how we as therapists matter in the therapeutic process and how integral our own authenticity and our own presence matter in doing its work. I'd love to have you start off today by having uh, you expand upon this personal dimension of our therapeutic work together.
2: Yeah, you know, this is such a, I think, important and vital question for me because I think, as I shared on a previous interview with you, this was almost the antithesis of my beginning here. And I think if I can, I want to share a quote, if that's okay at this point. I love that. To kind of of get us going here because this gets me going. And this quote is by Gene Gendlin, a gentleman who. Founded founded Focusing, uh, that treatment modality, and his name is spelled G-E-N-E, last name G-E-N-D-L-I-N, pronounced genlin. So he says, the essence of working with another person is to be present as a living being. And that is lucky because if we had to be smart or good or mature or wise, then we would probably be in trouble. But what matters is not that. What matters is to be a human being with another human being, to recognize that other person as another being in there. Mm. And one of the reasons why I love that so much is because, and this kind of was a double-edged sword for me as I started, But what, why I love this is because it is an invitation for the therapist to be themselves, to be who they are. And that's okay. And it, it's going to be different. For everyone else right we're all different beings this idea of of genuineness and authenticity isn't one center point that we're all going to rather we each have our own kind of point that we're moving towards again when i started out it was all about You know, what book do I need to read? Who do I need to talk to that's going to give me that information that's going to make me, you know, the the best therapist, trauma therapist that I could become. The intent is good. The intent is good. But what I was doing, unbeknownst to myself, was that I was scared of not just showing up as who I was, but what that would mean. And that would mean me looking at imperfections or traumas that I had yeah. and dealing with those and understanding how that would play into uh, work I was doing with my clients.
1: There's something pretty important about that. I like the idea and you're kind of giving me a visual. I can see you here. It's, it's not so much about us going to one center point. That is the it point that we all need to get to as trauma therapists, as much as it is, what is our point, right? Understanding ourselves enough to be ourselves kind of so that we can come into relationship human
2: on human, human with human. Right. Because the way someone else shows up with a client is going to be different than how someone else shows up. And the other thing that I want to state at the outset here is why this is important, why this is vital, this idea of, you know, genuineness or authenticity. And it's not simply for the therapist to kind of, you know, tick a checkbox and say, yes, I'm doing that. But rather it's in service of the client for when you look at people and you talk about people who've been impacted by trauma, who've been sexually abused, who've experienced abuse over uh, months or years. The, we're talking about individuals here who have in a sense have, have had their 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 trust their heart their souls wrenched from them and when they're in the presence of someone who is able allowing themselves to not just be you know authentic or genuine and and what that means that means to to allow oneself to feel to to think, to act, of course, within an ethical framework. But that then allows that person sitting in front of you to know that they have been seen, that they have been witnessed. And that is crucial.
1: I think that part right there where you get to have that type of a presence is the core of the healing process that allows someone to bring all their traumas. You talk about this, You know, the idea of trauma is it's the ultimate betrayal of trust, isn't it? Exactly. Ultimate betrayal of trust, lines being crossed, trust being betrayed, and you get to show up fully present, not expecting anything other than to show up, listen, try and understand and join someone as they sit in what they're trying to work through. I love that. This work that you're encouraging us to do, yes, it's for ourselves too, but it's ultimately so that therapeutic relationship has the potential to really work the way that it's designed to work and
2: can work. Right. And I think I think, you know, it, it, it's worth repeating that we talk about this idea of the therapeutic relationship. Well, what exactly does that mean? Good. You know, to see to 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 create an environment where your client who for for years maybe has has not experienced self-love or love to, to allow them to feel to understand that they make a difference that they're being yeah. seen as another human being that in and of itself is the fertile ground for healing.
1: Okay. Yeah that you is know? really good.
2: Yeah. yeah. You got me going here Graham. Go, <laughs> okay. brother this you is know? your jam right here. You yeah. go ahead please. This this idea I think is important for people to hear that again it it's not a one size fits all. It's you know, it's, it's allowing people to be who they are, to be themselves, to allow their what they perceive as their strengths as a clinician to come forward. And your client is going to interact with that. But the, the, the important point here is to do that. To be able to do that authentically and genuinely. And again, as we, you touched on earlier, you know, not going in with the idea that, you know, you're going to have all these, all the answers no. or, or to fix or, yeah. to, or to cure or to take away one's pain.
1: Yeah. I love this idea that what the patient needs most is the ability to be themselves they haven't had that. And sometimes I get stripped away with the betrayal of trust and, and boundaries being crossed. But in order for them to be who they are, you're saying the therapist first has to do their own work so they can be who they are. Exactly. To show up in that relationship. So we have human on human at that point. Exactly. And connecting around that. Exactly. You know, really yeah. Good. I
2: mean, you know, Dan Siegel talks a lot about this, this kind of a somatic resonance in in his books, but most recently aware. Dr. Sharon Stanley, in in her amazing book, Somatic Transformation, being able to to sit there, to be Mm -hmm. present as a therapist with your own history, your own trauma that will be triggered. It's not a matter of of if, but when. Unconsciously, I, I did not accept that. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of thought that I should always, I think when I come on your show, I should have a disclaimer, you know, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a Zen master, you know, I don't have all this figured out, but it, it got to a point when I was seeing clients that I was so frustrated with this persona that. You know, I, I, I had this degree and I had to, act, I thought I had to act a certain way. And of course, I've got to have all the answers. And that's what I've got to bring into the session. Yeah. And as soon as I got to a point where I, I was able to allow that to go. And again, I think it's also important to, to state that I'm not saying, I'm not discounting knowledge and information and the importance of having those many quivers you know or arrows in your quiver rather yes but to be able to be as you are to be present as a human being as Jean Gen says there's something can be very scary about that for a lot of people and it was for me but at the same time there's also something very exciting about it it has brings this wave of creativity with it
1: mm-hmm well, those quivers are only going to be as effective as one's ability to sit in those moments. Technique alone is not going to be able to do it, is it? It's going to right. be able to sit with and draw upon what you need to draw upon, but without rupturing in any way, that therapeutic kind of connection and that authenticity and presence you're describing.
2: Exactly. And as you know, one of my guests had said, when I was interviewing him, he was like, I was hoping that all I would need to do is read another book; that right. that was going to help me get there. You know, I didn't realize that I'd, I I needed to work on who I was, on and accept, yeah. understand my identity. You know,
1: you know when you mention it that way, when folks who have gone through trauma and they have this tremendous resilience to have made it through life the way they did, they found ways and they made ways to make things work and phenomenal amount of courage and strength and really grit to get to those places, to be sitting in front of you. and, But in many ways, they may not know themselves. In relationship with a therapist, this may be the first time that they ever get introduced or fully know themselves. We know that trauma, you know, kind of makes one myopic in life, it, it, it's, it's difficult to expand because you're in a, you know, kind of a vigilant kind of defensive mode a lot of times. Why? To stay safe, of course. But this idea of sitting with somebody who has no other agenda, but to get to know them, to sit with them and to work through with them, what it is that has got them stuck, got them in pain. But in order for them to see themselves, what you're saying is we as therapists need to know ourselves fully first. And I know you have courses that you walk practitioners through, through really a a personal discovery process, a personal journey really, helping to give them as therapists a sense who they are so they can be themselves, so they can help cultivate in the patients they're sitting in front of, the opportunity to cultivate a more genuine, real inherently designed sense of themselves give us a sense of your courses and what your goals are in offering these resources for therapists.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The course is inner work for the new trauma therapist. And it's, it's really about everything we're talking about here and what I wanted to do, you know, yes, but my goal, my goal is to, I think empower therapists to believe that who they are is enough you know, who they are is enough that, that they don't have to be anyone else or anything else. But getting there can be very challenging for a lot of us because what does that mean, right? How do you get to that point when in the context of working with someone who's been impacted by trauma? A lot of it has to do with, as we talked about, you know, exploring your own story, how you perceive that, how you show up, what your traumas are to in what degree have you looked at those? Have you quote unquote, worked through those? You know, when I was, when I started out, uh, I think I may have shared this before, you know, I had, a I was bullied when I was a young kid, which is jacked me up in many ways. And I became very triggered when I was in session with clients who had been bullied and so forth. And you ha- one has to be aware of how that's going to impact their yeah. thoughts, their, you know, selection in the responses they have and so forth. So the course I have works at guiding therapists along in this process of doing that kind of exploration and understanding the importance of that. And I think this idea of being present is so important, but also important is why, and to be able to serve as a witness for someone who's been impacted by trauma. It's not so much helping that client, in my my point of view, know themselves, yeah. but along with that, to accept themselves, to see themselves for the per- first part, to trust themselves and ultimately to love themselves, you know, yeah. and, and that's that's crucial to be able to create a space where you're able to do that. And as Janina Fisher says, it's not just a, a place of safety, because that could no. be a double-edged sword, because a lot of times trauma occurs in places of environments of so-called safety, but rather it's a place of nervous system regulation, you yeah. know, and of course, the therapist has to be regulated.
3: We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Most of us spend more time at work than anywhere else doing anything else. So why not spend that time in a job you love? Introducing Triad's Jobs Marketplace, the only job site dedicated specifically to behavioral and mental health professionals. Featuring more than 1,000 open jobs from dozens of behavioral and mental health employers and searchable by location, professional field, employment type, specialization, and more. Jobs Marketplace helps you find your next career opportunity. Full-time, part-time, or gig time make the most of your time. To access Jobs Marketplace, register for your free professional account at hellotriad.com bht. That's hellotriad.com slash bht, and then click to Jobs Marketplace. If you're already a member of the Triad community, visit app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. That's app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. Visit us today and take your next career step tomorrow.
1: Well, I love what I love what you're saying in this process. And 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 I know your courses. And you're talking about if if one can go through them, uh, and I'd love to hear about maybe some of the feedback you hear because sitting sitting with our own our our our, our own histories, our 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 own experiences, you and you're encouraging therapists, probably the most challenging part of doing this work is leaning into our own experiences. Even if there's not trauma there, there's always something there that's going to be triggering for us in some way when we're sitting in front of somebody and sitting with somebody in their experience. But you're talking about, you're encouraging a therapist to learn to see themselves fully, to accept themselves, and then ideally to find a way to love themselves in those things. And that's what they're ultimately being able to sit with and help facilitate when they're sitting with a patient that's gone through trauma, to to see themselves in their most loveliest of ways, despite the trauma and, and, and the carry, you know, the, the, the carry from that time, what the takeaways were from that time, but to recognize that that is not who they are. Their trauma is not who they are instead helping the person see who they are to accept who they are and to move to a place of loving themselves. But the therapist has to get there first.
2: Right. And it's not always an easy journey, you know, tell me about and,
1: that. What do you, what do you hear from those that have gone through your courses and the things that are going to get kicked up? This is well, courageous it, to do this.
2: It is. And a, first of all, I think this whole topic, like many, I guess it is a circle, you know, everything is in all these elements are impacting the other one preceding it and, and succeeding it. But for example, it, it's really important for people to understand why They get into this field in the first place? What has compelled them? What has moved them? You know, for me, it was this idea that I wanted to help people who'd been impacted by trauma. I felt that I could be in that circle of that therapeutic circle, in a sense. But that means that, you know, I I had to be okay with not having an answer or not knowing the answer or not being able to fix someone on my time frame, but rather understand what it meant for me to be present and be authentic. And like I said, that meant me having to look at myself. Yeah. And that was very uncomfortable for me because of certain things that happened in my history. And I'm not saying people have to get in there with a shovel and, you know, dig all the way down, but you've got to be aware of what's there. And just to get back to your other question was, you know, some people have gone through the course have said, you know, I didn't realize how important understanding my own journey was, understanding my own kind of troughs and valleys and hills and peaks, how important that was to look at my own traumas Mm. and how valuable it was, it is for me to bring that awareness into session with another person. And again, as we talk about this, you know, we're talking about doing this with, with ethical boundaries, of course, not saying that one has to completely break down and 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 respond as an emotional wreck in front of a client but again it's going to be different for each person and for each client too what
1: your, what you're highlighting there though I really like is when we're sitting with somebody, we have a dual awareness. We have an awareness of what's going on for them. And ideally what you're encouraging, which I think is critical is having an awareness of oneself as a therapist too. So that dual awareness is, is ideally what a clinician is able to hold and observe. Isn't it?
2: right? And that's the creative part. Yeah. And that's the beautiful part. And that's also that also can be the really challenging part. Yeah. And that's the part that, you know, I, Became I became really aware of it when I started interviewing a lot of guests on the podcast, a lot of seasoned guests yeah. who started talking about this blind spot that they had, that they didn't realize how important it was for them to show up as themselves, as yeah. rather than some psychologist or, or therapist or whatever.
1: I think you, you're you holding two sides even to that piece. One, someone showing up as their true self and also that awareness, I know that when I work with, you know, early career practitioners or I do some mentorship or consultation, I'm I'm incorporating what we call the, you know, what's been called the counter-transference pie. And there's different parts of that pie. There's the, you know, the complementary counter-transference where we get pulled into an enactment, which usually signals trust being built. So, but we are being pulled into reactions that the patients need us to be, or maybe even kind of unknowingly pull us into being. Then there's the, you know, our own stuff, like what you're saying right here. We need to know what our own stuff is so that we're not acting on it, but we can hold it and use that even as an empathic understanding. And then there's the countertransference or the empathy piece is what you're, you're encouraging us to be able to sit in and with because we know ourselves. And then we can hold that dual awareness of what's coming up for the patient as well. But I also know what you're saying is as we sit with these things and we get pulled in, there is that emotional activation. There is that arousal sometimes with the stories we hear. And sometimes we want to either lean in and try and rescue or do something, or sometimes it's so painful. We want to avoid. And what you're saying is it's about sitting in that moment and just holding the person in it.
2: Right. And bringing in, I think the, the therapist's own awareness of the degree to which they can go in terms of maybe their response or their reaction, that is, that is vital. I mean, that has to come into play here. You know, as, as we're saying this too, I'm, I'm reminded of how simple, in a sense, this all is, you know, and it goes back to that quote, it's about being a human being right. with another human being and you know how many times when we're talking to someone or seeing someone or listening to or seeing an interview or listening to an interview when we recognize authenticity genuineness unguardedness vulnerability mm. we respond to that we're attracted to that. We're, you know, we need that as human beings and it's so healing it's also freeing. And I think one of the other goals, I think in this, in the course, you know, was to present this as an element of, of freedom.
1: I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. That's your encouragement to help people move towards that free space. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's something you, you and I are just pausing right there. There's almost something kind of what's the word? It's kind of hollowed ground almost. It's right. There's something almost spiritual about that connection of just it, exactly we 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 both just got quiet right here, didn't we?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to, you know, Kathy Steele, the 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 trauma therapist and author. She says, you know, the, she talks about the importance of asking the sacred questions yeah. and getting to a point where you know, we're able to do that and, and be able to witness a client sitting in front of you and allowing them to know that they're being seen and, and heard is, yeah. is what it's all about, you know? Well, I would dovetail off of that a little bit too, because I've heard you say this
1: before and I want to highlight it. This idea that sometimes in the work, we, you know, proverbially get stuck or we don't know what to do, or we have to sit with some things for a while. there's not there's not a fast way through this at times, nor does there need to be for it to be okay. And if you're saying someone can understand themselves enough and they can they can accept who they are as a therapist, they get to sit in that state. We're kind of stuck, aren't we? Right. And for that to be okay and for the person that they're seeing, not to have the pressure to have to push through something, but in fact, the growth and some of that emotional muscle even, that affective tolerance gets to be grown in that place of just sitting with and holding what feels stuck
2: right Right yeah. it, Exactly. and it's it's a it's an environment that, again, is antithetical to that traumatic, experience to that traumatic environment, yeah. you know, it's, it's an environment where the client is able to begin to, or see that they're allowed to be okay, that they're yeah. allowed to, that it's okay not to be okay, right? That they're allowed to be, not have the answers or be who they are in all of their quote unquote imperfection.
1: I think sometimes some of the traumas folks experience is that they have expectations that they have to be a certain way to avoid further trauma or to try and receive love. And what you're saying in that therapeutic relationship is they don't have to do anything other than take the therapist up on that invitation just to come in and begin to talk about themselves and who they are so they can discover that self. They can see that self, they can accept that self, and ideally they can love that self maybe for the first time, probably for the first time right. ever. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then, although, you know, this goes back, all of this is being, I think encouraged or engineered, if you will, by the therapists. why, why they got into this field, you know, and if they're not aware of that, you know, like myself, you know, when I was, another thing that happened to me, I I think I probably share this with you too, is I had an experience where I felt as if I was not smart enough. And this was really young at a really young age. And as a result, I felt I needed to do things. I needed to have certain answers. And you better believe it. When I was in graduate school, I felt I needed to have the answers. And you can imagine how that's going to impact someone, how it impacted me when I started seeing clients. Well, don't doctors fix people, right? Doctors fix people, doctors cure
1: people. Of course we come in with that. How could we not, huh? Right, right. But And it
2: was not working.
1: But what you're suggesting though is actually the paradox. We're going to be most helpful if we can determine our why and the qualities you're talking about that are so beneficial, allowing us to sit with those so they can do their own healing with us getting to be present and witnessing that process and helping to facilitate it with that presence that we bring. Right. There is a paradox there.
2: Yeah. To me, it is very exciting to feel that you know i don't have to be yeah. anything or anyone else and yeah. there's a there's a trust there right there's a trust in the therapeutic process there there's a trust in the the belief that you know one doesn't have to have the answers one does, can't always have the answers and that in and of itself i think can be a big ask because you're, you're asking someone I'm asking therapists to put down their books in a sense for this moment and to believe in themselves, to trust in themselves and to trust in the process of human beingness.
1: Yeah. You're giving clinicians permission that they don't have to be anything or anyone else other than who they are and your courses and your encouragement and that, and that self-informed journey or helping them capture that. But that's exactly what they're ideally going to be most helpful in is helping the person they're sitting with understand that they too, the patient themselves, they don't have to be anything right. in that relationship with the therapist. They don't have to be anyone else other than who they are, but here's a curious piece. Oftentimes folks that have gone through trauma more times than not because of attachment ruptures, which almost always happens with, with trauma, they may not have had some of the mirrors or some of the environmental conditions that have allowed them to determine that they have a clear sense of who they are. In fact, they've had to be some things. They've had to do certain things. They've had to be someone else. And what you're saying is part of the work gets to be kind of stripping that away and just letting evolve naturally organically a more clear inherent sense of who they really are. But that comes first with the therapist giving themselves permission that they don't have to be anything or anyone else other than who they are Too. it's modeling really.
2: It is modeling and it's not, you know, a quick fix. It's not an easy process. Oftentimes. I mean, again, again, it's, it's going to be, you know, can be different for a lot of different people, but it's a process where it can be very frightening. Yes. And uh, obviously people can be, well, I don't want to look at that part yeah. of me. I don't want to look at that you know, aspect of myself. That's the aspect that became traumatized or I- invited the trauma if you, you know. Uh, but when you put it like that, imagine the therapist who's done their own work
1: that gets to say, I know, this right. is so, and the therapist, probably not going to share their own stuff but they can literally say authentically say i know this is so hard isn't it right. this is so scary this idea of letting go of control or maybe beginning beginning to kind of look inside for the very first time how hard is this and how, how how much courage does this take right and yet what
2: if we do it together here right and this whole process that we're talking about right now you know if you if you put a little frame around it it's so vital. It's so rich. It presents possibly for the first time where a client who's been through a lot of sexual abuse or, and or trauma is for the first time can potentially be asked questions about, for example, what was it like? What is that other part of you need to see, need to feel? For example, being given attention, kindness, love even to that part for the first time ever, potentially for them.
1: Imagine that, you know, the idea is they are looking for an attachment that can be secure, need free love from the other person safe. But every time they tried to trust somebody, someone's betrayed that trust. And here we are asking them to come into relationship with us and to trust us. Ideally we've done our work and we can show up with a presence, but I know that when trust goes up, so does fear. Proportionally almost, and sometimes even more so it's, it's, it's protective. And we would want that for somebody who is not in a safe environment. So a lot of times we're holding that fear
2: with them as well. Aren't we? Right. And I, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself that this is a process that takes time. You know, it's not a, it's not a quick fix. It's not read this book and I'm genuine or take this course and I'm authentic. and I'm a Zen master. It's, it's not that it's an ongoing practice is what it is. Kind of like an ongoing
1: practice and just humanness, isn't it? Exactly. Just refining that and refining that and trying to shed away those things that, can interfere in even the smallest ways of us being present. So I like it that it's an ongoing process too. It's not something, a point that we reach. Right. It's a process that we continue to kind of lean into together, even as therapists together. Right.
2: Yeah. I was asking one of my, one of my guests, you know, you know, how do you do this? You know, we're talking about authenticity here and genuineness and, and being in the how, Okay. This is great, but what do you do? How do you do this? And his response was one of the things I do is to practice being in relationship in my personal life, Mm. you know, so that I can bring that practice to my professional life. How do I show up personally? How, to what degree am I vulnerable personally in my personal relationships? And that was part of his, his practice.
1: Yeah. Really good. Well, guy, I know we're kind of coming in the home lap here, but as we close, you know, today I'd like to encourage those that are listening to, take a look at your site, they're going to see a number of courses that can help them navigate their own inner journey. You put a lot of work into this with a great heart behind it. And, and I I think this clarity in one's personal knowing is truly, as you're just encouraging us is priceless and your courses really kind of walk people through this essential personal process. Guy, give us some resources and kind of direct people to your site and to you and how they can be a part of this.
2: Sure. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. My site is the traumatherapistproject.com. People can go there. They can reach the podcast, which is the trauma therapist podcast. They can access my courses there. This course we're talking about today is inner work for the new trauma therapist. And, and that's it. You know, I, I love doing this stuff. It gets me excited. And I, I really appreciate Graham, you bringing me on here to to share this. I love talking to you, man.
1: No, I love talking to you too, brother. This is a good stuff. You know, as, uh, as you talked uh, about the quote from Gene, there's a guy named uh, Romana Maharshi. And uh, he said, your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. And really that's what you're encouraging us as therapists to do. And this is really, I think your life's work and your dedication here to help facilitate that self-realization process. So I uh, really appreciate that.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. As you said that, I'm like, I'm nodding. Yeah, it is. It I yeah. love, and again, I don't have it all figured out, but I yeah. I, I love this journey. I know you know, you know can it, tell, it, but... it's an invitation for all of us yeah. to be who we are, you know, it, really with good. all the bumps and nooks and crannies and 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 hard bits and ugly bits and beautiful bits.
1: And that's where love exists, right in that in that acceptance piece. Yeah, really good. Well, hey, man, nice to have you with us today. Sure appreciate you being on the show.
2: An honor as always, man. Thank you so much. Thanks,
1: brother. Hey, and to those of you listening in, we so appreciate you dropping by, and we will look forward to having you join us next time on Behavior Health Today.
0: We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, All Rights Reserved.